You're listening to the Soul Coach Podcast. Our soul is the body and spirit together. And sometimes to get these two aligned, you need a little coaching. I am McKay Tautu, your soul coach. If you are ready to partner with God to end and clear generational junk so you can be the mom you want to be, rock your business, and love your today, you're in the right place. Now, let's ignite that beautiful soul of yours. Welcome to the podcast. This is your soul coach, McKay Tautu, and you are in for a treat today of inspiration. We are going to be talking about overcoming adversity. And, you know, we're all coming out of a generational trauma, every single one of us that our generation has not known. 2020 and 2021 have been such a trip, you guys. Like, (laughs) every single one of us has experienced judgment. Every single one of us has experienced shame on some level. We've we've been divided. We've been, we've experienced shock. Every single one of us has, I always felt like a whiplash. Like every time I turned around, there was some new crazy information that we were supposed to figure out. We've all had loss, whether it was a relationship, which I think we've all lost a relationship or two. Um, Most of us have experienced death. We've had massive confusion. We've, every single person, no matter how faithful we are, have had our bouts with fear. So this last couple of years has really been a tumble for a lot of us. And now it's time to come out of it. It's time to dust off our knees and start to rise up again. And I was looking the other day for purpose in this, for purpose in in this huge experience that we've all been through, because You know, God lets things happen so that we can grow. And I think that one reason we were allowed to go through this craziness that we just experienced was so that we could reach through the generational crap that we all have and see the things that are truly important to us. See the things that is you. What inside you is important? What inside you needs to shine through? And what are you going to stand for? Because we got so busy for a minute, caught up in all of life. Like think of the last five or 10 years, our kids were in 15 different activities and families weren't eating together. And the good thing that happened when in the beginning of 2020 is that we all came in with our families and, and we had dinner together and we were, we were together. It was amazing. And then it kind of started to shift and and an isolation set in and all of these other emotions came in. And so now we're kind of pulling out of that. And we have to remember too what the kids are going through because these kids are struggling with anxiety like never before, ever. And this is the big complaint that I'm hearing or the big um, concern I should say that I'm hearing is about the kids that are having this anxiety getting back into life. Well, if you think of it from their perspective, you know, they came home and then their parents were going through all of this stuff. (laughs) And then what was happening to marriages? What was happening to family dynamics over the last couple of years as we, as we walked through this adversity, 
right? And so now we've got these little kids and they need their moms and dads to stand up. They need us. They need to see how we overcome adversity. They need to witness the strengths of our generational um, DNA makeup that's in them that can pull them through the hardships and the hard stuff in life because this next generation, they got to do it better. And the stuff that's coming in the world on all aspects from government to technology to cultures to all the things, these kids need to be able to be so much better than us and so much more grounded. And so to help them work through this adversity and this um, anxiety that they're having, we really need to look inside on how we overcome it. Like, how am I going to step into my soul truth now, now that I know that what's important to me, now that I know my do or die, right? And so I met this amazing woman a few weeks ago on a trip to Jamaica with doTERRA. And from the second I met her, I liked her. You know, when you just meet people and you're just like, you're my friend. <laughs> how can we be neighbors? You're my friend. I need to know you. That's how it was. And her name is Ann Rodman. And this woman, as we sat down and talked on the beach in paradise, shared with me some, uh, everything she started talking about, my jock just kind of kept dropping inside. Like, wow, like you really know how to do the soul searching. You really know how to dig deep and find the courage within to move forward in life, to be true to who you are. And so I wanna introduce you guys to this coolest gal named Anne. And Anne, thank you so much for being on the Soul Coach Podcast today. I just feel honored to know you and I'm excited to be your friend for the rest of your life, just so you know. <laughs> well, thank you, McKay. <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I feel honored to be here. I am inspired by you and loved our time on the beach and just look forward to this new friendship, so. Thank you Aww. so much. It's, life is good, you guys. And that's what we have to remember is life is so good. But Anne, so she showed me a picture. I'm going to give you just a little bit. And then Anne, I want you to share your story wherever you want to share from. These listeners, these are women who they're ready to move forward. They're ready to live their soul truth and their, and their purpose and their mission. And so um, Anne showed me a picture of herself before her, th her big events started to happen, she had a health event and then she had, um, employment events and I'm sure a million in between. And in the picture, you see her face and her eyes just look, um, dark and heavy and hopeless. And then you see her today and it's like her soul is just shining through. So, and tell us about where you were and how you got here where you're at now. Yeah, that's a long story. We only have like 20 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I don't know how much I can get through. But um, this picture, I just came across it not too long ago because I have some friends who are going through some things. And I thought, I, I've been there. I know where you are. I've been in the trenches. Mm -hmm. And I made it through, you know. And so I, it's kind of one of those pictures that I don't like looking at. And I don't want to remember that time. But to compare it to where I am now, it's like, wow. And it was gradual. It's been a gradual healing. It's been a gradual shift. It wasn't like this overnight thing. And I think that when we really want to heal our, our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our spirits, like we have to remember, it's not going to be an overnight quick fix. It's not band-aid. It's just, you know, we, we have to dig deep and do the work and feel all the things and process all the things and be willing to forgive ourselves and be willing to recognize, um, I don't want to call them mistakes because I don't have any regrets. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I just feel so grateful 
I think that we're, and I love that you said God lets things happen so that we can learn and grow. Um, he lets us choose our path and that may not be the path that, uh, is the end result, but like through it, we can we learn things and we grow and we gain compassion and we get new things. Like it's a gift, right? To be able to choose our path and, and make mistakes. It's and so true. experience things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that I have to just tell you, as long as we're trying and we're including God in the journey, mm-hmm. as we make those mistakes or we go down paths where he's like, yeah, this one might be a little bit of a bumpy road for you. He will never let us get off the, the big path, the life purpose path. We're going to mm-hmm. go off these side roads and explore some things and experience some things. But when we keep him in the mix, he'll always bring us back. Right. Totally. He does not allow us to fail. Yeah. But tell us about your health journey. So, um, my health journey really began back in about 2016. I had been building a doTERRA business for a couple of years. I had had, you know, six, sorry, excuse me, four kids in six years. Um, my husband traveled (laughs) a lot for work. Um, I was burning candles at both ends. Like I was just, I was just pushing really, really hard, you know, Mm -hmm. um, having some success. It was giving me a purpose, um, outside of being a mom and a wife that I could contribute to the world. And I need that, like as a, as a woman who's an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and always has been like, I need that piece um, to fulfill my soul. So it was important, but it was, I was just pushing too hard. And it, I went to Nepal on a, on a service trip and it was incredible. And then wow. it was a super big high thing. And then that summer I started to get some really weird symptoms in my feet. My feet went numb from about my ankles down um, it became very hard to walk. And then I eventually developed drop foot in my left foot. And so it went from like, Oh, I must've punched a nerve to, wow, this is something big and I better, I better address this. You know, mm. um, my kids were seven and under at the time. Uh, and I'll never forget the lowest moment for me was my two little boys were just gosh, one and two. And they, we live on a cul-de-sac and they got out of the bath one day and they ran outside in the summertime. They ran outside and just were running naked around the cul-de-sac, right? And I just, <laughs> and I couldn't chase them. I sat on the porch and cried. And oh I thought, this gosh. can't be my life because I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I fell down all the time. Very hard, humiliating, scary time, you know? So we went to different neurologists and um, ran a bunch of tests. I had a spinal tap and MRIs. And anyway, the, after a couple of months, I was doing some things to help support my, my health and getting my mind into a good place. And I had improved significantly by the time I went back to my diagnosis appointment. But at the diagnosis appointment, I was told that I had multiple sclerosis, which is very scary yeah. from a neurologist, right? Um, and you're so and young. How old are you? Just tell I, us. <laughs> I'm 39. So I was 34 at the time. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it felt so surreal. And I only had ever known one woman that had MS growing up and she was bedridden and her husband had left her and her kids were grown and she was all alone. I used to go sit with her when I was young and, um, a couple times a week. And so I had that image in my head, you know, and I went down that road for a minute of complete fear and terror and wow, all the what ifs. And, mm-hmm. and I live an exciting, vibrant, healthy life, you know, and I just thought this can't be my life. So I told the doctor, Hey, I, I need a minute like to go home and process this. Cause he had told me if you don't go on this medication, which were at the time, what was available were monthly infusions. Um, you will be in a wheelchair in five years. Wow. And that's a really daunting thing to hear, you know, yeah. and scary. So I just said, I need some time. I need some time to go home and I need to think about this and see how it feels. Cause it just didn't feel right for me to, to take that path. 
because I believe in healing and I had been teaching about healing for the, for the years leading up to this. So this was my moment, right? To decide if I was going to choose a path of healing and hope or a path of sickness and believe if I was healing or believe if I was sick. And I had to choose. This was the moment for me. So how do you so, take that moment and, and be like, I, I can choose. Like, what does that feel like? Were you, did you just know that wasn't your life path? Or did you, like, how did you stay out of the fear and make the choice? Well, I didn't stay out of the fear. I felt the fear. I mean, it was scary. There were lots of tears. And my husband and I fought about things because he was very much like, do what the doctor says. Because he was scared, mm, you know? Like, yeah. The idea of my natural path not working was terrifying for him. So it caused a lot of tension in my home and my family for a couple of months, really, because it was unknown and scary. And, um, yeah. you know, you're supposed to trust the doctors. And and I just didn't feel in my heart it was right. And And I... I had gathered lots of evidence, right? I've given birth four times. I had had surgeries. I had um, scraped my knee. I had had stitches. Like, you know, my body is capable of healing. And I know that. I know that. And I had enough evidence scraped up in my subconscious brain that I thought, I've already improved. Like, I'm going to just give it some time. So I continued to do the things that I was doing. Um, I implemented things like energy work and mindset shifts. And just how I, I think how we speak to ourselves is so incredibly powerful. Yes. I've never once said that I have this disease ever. It's I was diagnosed and that's as far as I will go. Um, I love that. I just think how much power and, and this is why it's taken me so long to share my story because for so long, I didn't want to give it any power. So I didn't talk about it and I only focused mm -hmm. on healing and I'm finally in a place where I feel like I can, I can say it out loud. Um, and, and it, instead of, I feel like by speaking about it before, it gave it power, but now by keeping it in, it gives it power. Like I have to share this because I need to empower others. So it's a shift for me. Um, Absolutely. Um, so I well, lived the fear. I mean, it was, it was a scary time. And I, so that was in November, pushed back the appointment to January, um, met with an amazing doctor, Dr. Hill, if anyone's familiar with him. And he sat with me in Mexico and cried with me and gave me a, you know, protocol things I could do naturally to help support my body. Um, I had breast implant for six years. I got them removed. That was a big emotional journey in and of itself, just to, to really love myself as I am and honor myself as I am. And that's been a big, big shift for me to, and I do, I love my body. I really, really love my body. A lot of core. women are going through that right now. The explant, um, mm -hmm. I'm one of my good friends just went through it and it is a hard surgery. It was a really big deal. Yeah. It's invasive and it's, <clears throat> and you know, you don't, look the way you want to look afterward. And so getting to a place where I could accept and love myself on a, on a deep subconscious level, that was huge, you know, and I look back at the time in my life when my feet stopped working. And if we're going to talk about emotional roots to things, this is huge because um, that time in my life, I mean, I was doing diamond club, which is, I was traveling for my business with newborn babies twice back to back. Um, wow. My husband traveled, his dad died. Um, he was hit by a drunk driver on the way to work one morning and killed oh him on his God. motorcycle. We went through that. We moved twice. Like we were, I was running too fast. And I really believe that my body was just saying, you have to slow down. And if you're not going to do it, we're going to make it so you just can't walk. <laughs> like, and it came to yeah. that, you know? Um, so releasing that and, and forgiving myself and working through all those things, you know, um, has all just been part of it. So I kept pushing back my appointment that whole next year. We were doing lots of things naturally. I was completely invested in my health, um, started exercising, started meditating more, started being more, I'm a reader. I love to learn. So I read lots of books and listened to lots of podcasts and, um, spent time with God. 
and just really began to, to trust my capacity to heal and God's ability to heal me. And to be totally honest, I don't know where my future is going, but as of right now, I'm five and a half years out from that appointment that day. And I have never gone back to the neurologist and I have never felt better. Um, and I'm on a path of healing and I, I just am focused on that. I believe it with my whole heart that healing is possible, not just for me, for everybody, but we have to choose it and we have to work through things and we have to be willing to go through the pain, which isn't always very fun because there have been some pretty painful moments in this journey, you know? Absolutely. And I always say our body, besides the savior, our body is our greatest teacher. And when we listen to her and she will, she will stop you Mm -hmm. in your tracks. If you are not listening, she will stop you. And just honoring that and be able to um, understand that. So, and I have to say, when she talked to Dr. Hill, Dr. Hill is a doctor at doTERRA. So when she said she was in Mexico, were you guys on an incentive trip in, Mex- in I Mexico? I was on, yeah. <laughs> I like, an she didn't go to trip. Mexico and find Dr. Hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so you implemented a lot of natural things like, you know, mm-hmm. the oils, the meditation, the energy work, which I love so much. And then what about your diet? Like, what did you have to do with your diet? You know, I've, I've never had a terrible diet. I've also never had a super fantastic diet. Mm-hmm. I do take supplements. Um, I try to eat healthy. I've got four kids, right? And my husband travels. So it's kind of one of those things where diet sort of lasts on my list. I try to be conscious, but the truth is diet has been the last thing. And it's something that I'm finally that in a place incredible. where I'm finally in a place where I can focus more on my diet because my kids are older. I'm in a better space. I can cook for them and cook for me. You know, it's like, I'm, yeah. I'm finally in a place where I can do that. But I will say I'm not a soda drinker. I, I literally just drink water. I just drink gallons of water. I love water. So I, and I didn't always love water, but I've trained myself to just love water. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's really um, been beneficial for me. I just uh, drink lots and lots of water. For me, the most powerful thing has been my working my brain muscle and my, my thoughts. I'm very conscious of what I can think because there are still moments, like I say, of, of total doubt and fear. And what if, you know, the what ifs creep in and the demons show up and it's like, no, they can show up. Thank you for being here. What can I control? What, can what I, I can control? control is how do I talk to myself? When I look in the mirror, who do I see? Do I love yes. that person? Do I, do I give myself some grace? Do I um, think positive? I think there's a difference between being positive and being optimistic. And there are positive thoughts, but there's an optimistic outlook that you can I have. Love and that's And that's so much of like, we feel the pain. It's okay to feel pain. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel all the emotions we're meant to. We have to, that's how we're designed. And even when we're going through the hardest things, we can still be optimistic and still be kind to ourselves and still be kind to those around us. And I don't know, I'm kind of babbling, but that's- I know, I love what you said about you would look in the mirror and say, what do I have control of? Because right now, that is all we can do. I think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us have been down the rabbit hole. A lot of us have been all these things. And we feel passionately and strongly about, about what's important to us, about our, like me, I am a freedom fighter all the way, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but then you get to a point where you do have to say, wait, what is within my control? And then water, the fact you bring up water lately, I'm obsessed with water. I've been studying water. And when you study something, I mean, you connect with it and all of this information comes out of nowhere. And 
water is such a powerful, powerful element. Mm -hmm. I mean, 70% of our body is water and 90% of our eyeballs are water Mm -hmm. and water can be informed. We know this This is science. It has water memory. It can be informed. So, so interesting to me that you're, you're not changing, you know, you're not like going all everything free. You're staying alive with your four small <laughs> children and you're drinking water. And while you're looking in the mirror and you're saying like, what is in my control? What do I choose to believe? What is my truth? How can I be optimistic and hold a positive thought through this, like through this difficulty? How can I help my husband to understand that his, his ability to protect me is through supporting me? You know, like, how do I let my kids know that I'm going to be here for the long haul, even though I'm doing it differently? Like all the ways that you chose to step in and hold that optimism and that positivity is so perfect for what women are going through right now, for what everyone's going through right now. Yeah. Well, and I want to jump in too, because the first thing that I was exposed to with energy work was Mm -hmm. years before this ever happened. And I picked up a book. And I don't remember the name. I think it's called The Hidden Messages in Water. It's by this Japanese doctor. Have you heard of it? Dr. Ivoda? Yes. Yes. Uh And he has a website. I I have his app. (laughs) And I became obsessed with the idea of water because when you expose water to certain environmental things, like really harsh music or bad, like mean words, like hate. Words. Mm -hmm. Or anger. Or, you know, when you expose that to negative things, it produces really uh, awful crystals. They're not pretty crystals, but when you expose it to beautiful things, beautiful music, beautiful words, the water crystallizes in the most amazing, beautiful way. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that book, pick it up because it's so good. But that was my first introduction to like energy work and energy healing. And it seemed a little kooky to me at the time. And now it makes so much sense because we are made of water and, and it does have memory. And, um, I just and feel everything's like energy. Yes. Everything is energy and everything, Mm -hmm. um, affects how we feel about things. And we have way more control than we, than we give ourselves credit. I think, you know, we like to divert pain and give things blame because it takes it off of our shoulders. But the reality is accountability is huge piece. I I have to be accountable for the the contribution I made to my own journey and not Mm -hmm. blame. And also just accept that, um, I have, I have a mentor who asked me all the time, how is this a gift? And sometimes it doesn't feel like a gift. It feels painful and hard and I don't want it to be, I'm like, it's not a gift, (laughs) you know, it's hard, (laughs) but what do we get from it? What, what do we get? And it is a gift. God knows how to give good gifts. He does. And we're here for experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so everything we go through, it adds a depth. It adds a depth to us. And this is where in generational healing, if you allow the depth to occur and you walk Mm -hmm. through it, and you get to the other side of it, now you have this part of you that, um, I wish experience was a cooler word because it, it is who we are becoming, right? What we're going through. But if we don't allow that learning to, you know, this is best for my learning and growth or what is the gift in this, then we push it down. And that is what creates generational trauma. Mm-hmm. And that is what puts us in life cycles and and um, unwanted stories and untrue mindsets that we pass down to generations. And when you look at your life and you see um, a story or a pattern 
that you're like, this just doesn't feel like me. Why do I keep repeating this money story or this health story or this relationship mm-hmm. story or this, um, this upper limit story? Why do I do this? It is because that is the blueprint in your DNA that has been passed to you. Mm-hmm. So you have to pull that out and see it and then move through it and release it. And after that, it's gone. Like that story is gone. And when you recreate that new story, that's the legacy. And I think this is so beautiful because this is what you're showing your kids is we go through really hard things in life, whether we're good or bad people, <laughs> like mm-hmm. bad things are going to happen to everybody and how we choose to process that and move through that and become through that and find the gift in it, even if, and this is kind of deep, but, um, Sometimes people go through things that are so horrific that it's like, how is that a gift? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was raped. How is that a gift? Or mm-hmm. I was, uh, my child died. How is that a gift? Like these things seem so cliche. And at the end of the day, sometimes the only gift is the level that we understand Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Because when he died or before he died in the garden of Gethsemane, he, he experienced every pain and suffering and sin and heartache and illness and everything that we ever went through. And he was alone. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we go through it, like on some level, we understand him. He's not alone. Is this making sense? This is like, totally. No, (laughs) I love it. And I have something to share with that. Um, but before I do, I want to share, like, I I totally agree with fear comes from, we know where fear comes from. It comes from the adversary. We are not meant to live in fear. Um, are there lots of things to be afraid of in this world? Absolutely. And to, you know, protect ourselves, like we have to have a radar on of like how to move through life and, and stay safe, but to live in a state of fear and anxiety and depression and, and, um, constant judgment of others, like that's not where we are supposed to be. Right. Mm -mm. And I, I totally agree with you that kids have suffered the most during this entire last couple of years because they, they are reflecting the emotions of their parents and what, um, so much of that is just they're receiving it at home and then they are processing through those eyes. And I've really, because of the things we've gone through, I've taken great lengths to really just help my kids not live in fear. We, I, I, I absolutely refuse to live my life in fear, even mm-hmm. though there are super scary things to be afraid of all over, <laughs> you know, it's like, and I just, right. I've been very vigilant in teaching my kids that. Um, I do want to share about my husband because I'm so inspired by him. So when his dad died, it was August of 2015. Um, our littlest was just three months old. He was away on a business trip. I was home with the kids and mm-hmm. I got, it was the one night ever in my whole life that I put my phone in airplane mode before I went to bed, which is just so weird. But he tried to call me that morning, couldn't get a hold of me. So my neighbor he called my neighbor oh. and she came over in the morning and woke me up and told me the news. And I called him back. Devastating for all of us. 5.30 in the morning, he was hit by a drunk driver on the way to work. Um, oh. Lots of, lots of emotions, right? Devastating for all of us. Devastating for he has three brothers um, and their families and his mom and just so much emotion. There's grief, there's anger, there's why, 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 you know, like all the whys. Yeah. This guy was three times the legal limit um, driving on a suspended license in his girlfriend's car. Lots of reasons to be angry and to feel like, you know, you did this. Um, over the next several weeks, there was lots of grief obviously involved. Um, I watched my husband who began to consider this man's wife and how it had also been disrupted and his family. Wow. And 
uh, you know, his family, his, his immediate siblings and his extended family were pretty angry for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, rightfully so, right? It's, it's a hard thing, but Jared oh, was yeah. different. And, and I just noticed in him a little bit of compassion and a little bit of like, this is really sad for him too. And that was how many years ago, you know? And over the course of time, this man has reached out to my mother-in-law about two years after he was in prison, begging for her forgiveness, committed to his sobriety, wanted to get out and be a dad to his son. Um, actually, at the, at the sentencing, his mother brought my mother-in-law cookies, and they just cried together. It was just oh. such a tender moment. you know. Um, but this letter, he said, Bill will not have died in vain. I'm committed to this, and, and I want to get out, and I want to help people who have addiction. And you learn about this man's life and he had a really hard life. He was, you know, brought up in a really not great situation and not that there's any excuse ever, but it's like, there's reasons, there's reasons. And he just begged for forgiveness. So from that point on, Jared's family really began to heal. And then he was up for early release from prison last summer. And at this point, Jared's family has all forgiven him. Um, They've chosen to love him. His son was born on my father-in-law's birthday. Crazy enough. Um, wow. and so my husband wrote this letter to the judge and this is the most beautiful letter saying, you know, we're united in our faith in Christ and we believe in you and we forgive you. And we, we want you to get out and be a father to your son. And just, it was like a two page letter. It was gorgeous. It was so, so beautifully written. It was never read in court. Um, I don't remember why, but it was Jared's family all went, we don't live in Ohio, but they all went to the hearing, hoping mm-hmm. to support him. And then when it came time, you know, it didn't ever happen. But what was interesting is my husband then had a reason to reach out to him because he wanted him to know how we felt, how the family felt, how he felt right. and he had written this letter. So he figured out that he could email him. So over the past several months now, they've become friends through email. So he oh hasn't just goodness. forgiven him. He's befriended him. He has, you know, loved him, t- loved him, tried to see how he, how he is doing. And, and it's changed the trajectory of his life because I feel like that forgiveness piece is we forgive for ourselves to release ourselves. Right. But for him to know that this family that he caused so much pain and harm to like has forgiven him and that there is hope in Christ has empowered him to now go and like live a better life. And I just feel like there's so many things that we don't understand that are in the nitty gritty that God knows. And it's, it's important to grieve. It's important to feel, like I say, all the emotions, those have to be felt, but Right. If we really peel it back, there's healing is possible in every aspect of our life. It's emotional, it's mental, it's financial, it's spiritual. It's all the things. And I've just been so touched by this story. And um, I'm so grateful that I'm married to a man who can, who has the capacity to love. He does. He has the capacity to love people who are hard to love. It, all the time he always is ahead of me he always he always apologizes first (laughs) we ever get an argument he's always the first he's just oh my gosh I love him he's paved the way yeah I do too he's so great um (laughs) do you know what's really cool and is that so as a generational healer this is my mind always goes here but in that situation what he's done what he's recorded in his DNA so epigenetics epi is the energy or the environment around something so around the gene epigenetics is the energy or the environment around the gene. And so what happens is when, if that's recorded in our our genes, that experience, the next time generations to come, children, grandchildren, great grand generations later, 
when when they experience the same emotion or the same type of situation that would awaken that emotion, you know, that shock, that fear, the death, mm-hmm. the, all those things. What happens is that door to that Gino is opened and then the blueprint is inside of how to react. So what your, your husband has implemented and you have implanted and um, imprinted into your children is that we work through things and then we love and we forgive. And mm-hmm. that, is a legacy that is so beautiful. And so thank you so much for all of this. Like when I said inspiration, I meant it, but this has been even more than, than I even knew about you. So thank you so much. And as we close, tell me, um, or tell the women out there, the woman who is going through, like she is in utter depression, she can't see her way out or her daughter or her child or her husband is just like not, um, not choosing out of this and staying in that energy. And it feels so hopeless. What would you say to that person? You know, it's what I say to my kids and they get so annoyed, but it's, we can only control how we show up mm-hmm. and it, we, we want to control other people, you know? And Mm -hmm. even in this environment of the last two years, there's a lot of things I wish I could control, you know, probably you do too. It's like, I wish I could change a lot of things, Yeah. but really I can only control how I show up. And that is true in every relationship that I have in every business interaction that I have in any situation where I don't agree politically or, um, you know, religiously or whatever it might be. Like I've, I've really come to believe in my own journey that, the most important thing for us to do here on earth is to learn how to love people, like truly, truly love people. And it starts with ourselves. And if we can Mm -hmm. inspire ourselves and show up for ourselves and, and learn to love and forgive ourselves, um, I think it just has a triple effect and things around you will start to change and it might be tiny things, but if you show up for yourself, even in the most hard, hard situations, like, and it's, it's more than getting a, you know, pedicure, it's more than getting a massage. Those things are, are great. I'm not at all opposed to those, but it's deeper than that. It's doing the work to heal yourself from the inside out. And it's looking in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> it's looking in the mirror, right? Yeah. And changing the thought. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? I, I remember looking in the mirror when I, that picture that I sent you, when I saw that person in the mirror, I didn't like her very much. And I've, I've always been a person who's fairly confident. I've always you know, kind of like my body. I've, I've been pretty social. Like I have a easy time making friends. I, life has been fairly easy for me in, in a lot of aspects, but deep inside, I had a lot of um, regret. I had a lot of resentment. I had a lot of feelings that weren't serving me, a lot of thoughts that weren't serving me. And I, I had to make this shift and it takes work and it takes diligence and it takes making mistakes and it takes trying again and trying again and trying again until it starts to become so natural. There's actually an app that I love called Think Up. Um, there's a free version or there's like a, I think you buy it for 19 bucks or something, but you can record your affirmations and your mantras in your own voice. And when I first started doing that, it felt really strange. It felt like, oh, this isn't real. My subconscious was like, oh, I have all this evidence that you're none of those things. But saying it to yourself enough and going through all the process, it starts to become real. And I just want to, I want to say there's hope. If there's one thing that I've gone through all this stuff for, it's to give you hope. Hmm. There is light. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And just believe it. Believe it. 
and show up. I, I love it. And use your tools. Like the oils have been um, monumental in my life. We mm-hmm. use it in generational healing all the time. Um, energy work is so powerful. Oh my gosh. You're and ultimately, just so stinking cool. ultimately for me, there's all the things we can do. And then it comes down to my savior. That's right. And trusting him. And that ultimately is, that's like the icing on the cake cherry on top. Like without him, I could do everything and, and still not make it. And there's, I, I have a lot of books. <laughs> there's another great book. It's called You Are Not Enough and That's Okay. It's by Ali Stuckey. I read it. It was such a breath of fresh air in this culture of having to be enough all the time for everything all the time. And That's what awesome. I read that one. Yeah. And what I've seen in our culture is like, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's elements to being enough that are true. And it's like, I think what it comes down to is our efforts are enough and God makes up the difference. And if you have to be enough all the time in all the ways, then we remove God. What's God for? So I love this book because it was just such a breath of fresh air with, you know what, you're, it was by design that we aren't enough. By design. Exactly. Okay. People know? always say, God won't give you more than you can handle. I'm like, oh, yes, he does. Actually, and he if does. He didn't, <laughs> if he didn't, we wouldn't need a savior. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the things that I've been through the past few years, I don't think I could have handled or come out the other end where I am without my faith in Christ. And that's, that is the absolute, you know, crowning factor in all this. And if you're looking for a place to start in that, you guys, in my meditation series, it's meditation number 10, just so you know, if you have it, but, um, my favorite meditation in the whole world is you just spend some time with the savior. You just invite him to come and sit with you. And, you know, sometimes I, when I started doing this in the beginning, um, he would just sit there and I would fall asleep. It was like, he was telling me, you just need rest. And I'm going to sit with here with you while you rest. And then other times he'll come and sit with me and tell me amazing things like try this next. And other times, you know, he might say, um, how are you treating your husband right now? Or, you know what I mean? Like, but he'll always come sit in it with me and, and give me what I need to work through it. And so just meditate with the savior. That's it. Just invite him to sit with you and see what happens. It's I love that. Amazing. Yep. Oh, yes. Well, thank you so much, Anne. Well, thank you. This right now, we have an opportunity to reprogram our DNA. We have an opportunity to look at the crap that's coming up and to walk through it. We don't have to, we don't have to dissect it. We have to, don't have to re-experience anything. We just keep moving forward and then get to the other side so that we are creating, we're clearing the generational crap and we're creating this generational strength for the next generation. Um, my generational healing course is in full swing. It's amazing. We're watching women walk through this. It's seven weeks. And when you get to the other side, you have all the tools to walk through this stuff. So it's all good. It's all good things. We've got this right but thank you, Anne. You seriously, ugh, you've just rocked my world and you have a new best friend, just so you know. And everyone, <laughs> thank you. I love your guts and um, keep going. Keep plugging on. Okay, guys, now is the time to end these old patterns. So I have a gift for you. I want to help you release and heal so you can move forward. Remember, when you heal generational issues, you heal them backwards for your predecessors and forwards for your posterity. 
the buck literally stops with you. So hop on over to mckaytattoo.com and I will walk you through an experience, heart, mind, body, spirit. That's the way I roll, I do experiences, I want you to feel it, and we will begin this process. Millennials, you are the generational healers of our time. You were literally born for this. Don't worry, I got you, girl.